Using gerrymandering, voter suppression, and other nefarious tactics, the Republican Party has manipulated our electoral system to maintain as much control as possible despite being a party in the minority. Liberal Dan Radio seeks to change that, and I need your help in doing so. Liberal Dan Radio has partnered with Levelfield to help us use tools that are typically only available to big money donors. When you go to StopTheCoup.LiberalDan.com and make your contribution, it will encourage other voters to reach out to their legislators to pass legislation to stop gerrymandering and voter suppression and target elected officials who refuse to protect the vote. Every eligible voter should be able to cast a ballot, and that ballot should have the same power as everyone else. I can't do this alone. I need your help. So please go to StopTheCoup.LiberalDan.com and make your contribution today. That's StopTheCoup.LiberalDan.com. StopTheCoup.LiberalDan.com. Political advertising paid for by Levelfield. Contributions are not tax deductible as charitable contributions. Conversation. It's area code 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. Uh, if you're also listening live, you can join us in the chat room like Bringing It Boy has already done at blogtalkradio.com slash liberal band. Sign in with your free blogtalkradio.com account, and you can ask questions in that chat. Or if you're watching live on YouTube because you just want to see my you know, wonderful face, ching! You can also go to youtube.com slash liberaldanradio and leave your comments, questions in that live chat as well. And if you're listening after the live broadcast, you can always leave your comments, questions, concerns, et cetera, on the show thread at liberaldan.com at facebook.com slash liberaldan at liberaldanradio on Twitter or youtube.com slash liberaldanradio. Go to the episode page for the live stream and you can leave your comments there as well. Remember to please like and subscribe to the channel. Like the video, subscribe to the channel on YouTube. It's one of the best ways that you can help me grow as a channel. Uh, so I would appreciate that very much. I made sure to like it from my own, from my other YouTube account. So you know, hey, it, wait, I'm sorry, it's that's Donald. It line. is what it is. Thank you, Donald. Um, anyway, so I had a very busy day at work today, so I wasn't able to do. You know, I actually went longer than what I would normally work for because we had to do something after hours, which means the time that I normally would spend prepping for the show, I, I didn't have time to prep for the show. And you know when that happens, because every time that happens, guess what? You see me say, "Hey, it's open line," so we're going to talk. And now I have plenty of stuff that I can always talk about, but you know, if you want to call in and talk about whatever or, or bring up things in chat, like sometimes bringing it, boy, and others will do. Um, you know, this, we can discuss anything that you want to talk about as long as I, you know, have any a sort of modicum of understanding of what's going on when it comes to what you brought up and also or also considering potentially whether or not it's, it's a reasonable topic to talk about, which I guess is another thing. Uh, speaking of in unreasonable things to talk about, apparently Mike Lindell, i.e. the My Pillow guy, 
has said that there's enough evidence to put 300 million Americans in jail for election fraud. 300 million Americans. We only have like 340 million people living in this country. And of that total of 340 million people, that includes individuals who are here who are not citizens. So what, everybody, I don't know, I don't know, anybody under 15 can stay out of jail. Everyone else is going to jail, according to Mike Lindell. How Mike Lindell ever managed to become successful at making a pillow. Or maybe it's kind of like Ben Carson, where Ben Carson really excellent, brilliant brain surgeon and just use all of his brain power for that and then left nothing for anything else. Of course, for some reason, he got, he got put in charge of HUD, which never made any sense to me. I mean, why would you put a doctor, uh, a brain surgeon in charge of HUD? Um, it, it was, again, you know, that's just Donald Trump, it I guess. It is what it is. Thank you, Donald. Um, you're very, very helpful today. Uh, let's see. What else? I have some other things that are trending. I don't know. It just seemed to have disappeared. Um, I have a cat joining me in my room, so hopefully the cat will not bother us too much. Um, Let's see what else. There's something trending that I wanted to see. Um, Marsha Blackburn was trending. Let's see what what ridiculousness that she said. Um, Marsha Blackburn criticizes black judicial nominees rap sheet of uh, speeding tickets. Uh, Biden's court of appeals pick doesn't have a criminal record. He got once got a ticket for going five miles over the speed limit, though. Nice. Um, so, yeah, having a five miles an hour over the speed limit is considered a rap sheet, according to Marsha Blackburn. Um, let's see. Uh, my children are being loud, too. I don't know if you can hear them. But, yeah, apparently, according to Marshall Blackburn, having one traffic ticket makes somebody have a rap sheet. And we all know what that means. That's code for, you know, what y'all y'all think it is. Uh, what else? Oh, somebody else res- responded to Marshall Blackburn's, I guess, tweet or whatever, or tagging Marshall Blackburn. Uh, and it's a picture of two hats. Um one of the pictures is a Make America Great Again hat made in China and a Joe Biden campaign hat made in the United States of America, which, you know, it's pretty much just telling of everything you need to know about the hypocrisy of Donald Trump and, you know, whether or not Donald Trump is somebody who you're going to uh, trust to fight China, as it were. Hey, Rose. My, my cat's wanted to join, but my cat's not going to let me hold her and put her on camera because my cats don't like to be held, at least by me, maybe. Hey, Rose, come here. Come say hello to the people at Liberal Dane Radio. Woo! That's a Rose. That's my Rose. Hello, Rose. You're on camera now. You're famous. You're YouTube famous. You are the kitty, the only kitty to be on my YouTube channel, at least on this YouTube channel. I did have a blooper with one of my previous cats who managed to walk across the walk across my desk as I was uh, making a video and made the camera fall and everything just went. Anyway, so there you go. You got Rose, some bonus coverage for the show, I guess. Get to see my kitty. Anyway, let's go ahead and take the first commercial break right now. Uh, give some more people time to, I guess, get in here. Uh, take calls as well. Again, eight one. Uh, I'm sorry, that's my phone number. 
Again, the phone number is 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. In a world gone mad, one progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. All right, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say, sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family, because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. Talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show. Mm, yeah. If you enjoy Liberal Dan Radio, there's many ways that you can support the show. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can like me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter or TikTok. And you can become a Liberal Dan Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can get a shout-out. Higher levels get the opportunity to vote on what I do next on the podcast, the minicast, or on YouTube. You can even buy commercial advertising or sponsor bits. So go to patreon.liberaldan.com and support the show today. Hey there, podcast listeners. This is Demonox, host of The World According to Knox. It's time for Season 2 where I take you on another trip through my world. The world of movies, video games, pop culture, and more. Relate them to the world around you. Don't forget to leave a question for Marscat and find me on Twitter by the handle xdeminox. That's letter X like X-Men, D-E-M-I-N-O-X. Now enjoy the rest of your podcast. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman. Coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. Um, just fun things on Twitter. Somebody was like, please settle a debate. How many chuggas are there before the choo-choo? Um, I say that there are four chugga-chuggas, which means that there are so chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-
So what else? We got somebody else in uh, New Orleans business owners, whatever group. Hello, fellow lover. This should have, if, if I had time to make a uh, words of regular wisdom today, if I didn't already have something and you know that I would download and, and produce, uh, which I did, but I didn't have time to do it. Uh, join us this Friday, January 14th at 11 a.m. at City House Duncan Plaza and holding Mayor Latoya Cantrell and New Orleans Health Director Dr. Jennifer Ovegno accountable for their illegal, immoral, unconstitutional, and killer mandates. We need all hands on deck. And I put need and all closely. It's, there's no space. It's like we need all hands on deck. Thank you for helping us save ourselves and especially the children by attending and helping spread the virus. I mean spread the word. Share, share, share. Uh, help us stop this genocide. You matter. So, it meant spread the virus. Virus, didn't they? <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure that, you know, even if they didn't mean spread the virus, guess what? That's what they're going to do. That's what they're going to do. Apparently, it turns out last week we reported that uh, Novak Djokovic uh, was uh, was locked up, I guess, or whatever, or was I mean, had his visa denied because of the you know him re- refusing to take a shot. Uh, then the court said no, you can't do it. But then there, Australia said like, well, still no, we're not going to let you participate because again, you have to follow the laws when you're here. So I mean, it is what it is. I'm just going to abuse that button tonight. It is what it is. So what's going on? So what's going on with Liberal Day and Radio? Well, we do have, still have the, uh, the, I, I'm slacking a little bit on my videos. Uh, I'm going to have to start punching out more of the gerrymandering videos. I'm also, I put out a, a request on both Facebook you know, and Twitter. I was like, look, you know, I clearly, you know, voter suppression um, you know, gerrymandering, you know, rules that are, that are specifically created to keep certain voters from being able to cast a legal ballot that are labeled so-called voter ID laws. You know, I think there are people who are talking about gerrymandering and who are making gerrymandering a big deal. And maybe, you know, the fact that I'm also trying to target, maybe that makes people not necessarily want to, you know, help out my cause that I'm trying to do. Uh, because of the fact that they might figure, well, let's just start into this other anti-gerrymandering cause because that's, that's, I feel like it's more you know, established. That's fine. I understand that. But you know, maybe there's something that we can do as a podcast um, to, to continue, uh, to, to kind of maybe take a narrower look, take a, take a surgical look and be like, Let, let's dive down deep in this one particular issue. And if we can get this one particular issue dealt with, it would help. Hey, Daily News in the chat. Welcome um, in the chat on YouTube. Thank you for joining us. I, I now have a second like on the video. Yay. Anyway, so maybe there's something that you might specifically feel needs to be targeted. Maybe a specific legislator that's standing in the way of, of passing, you know, meaningful legislation to, to help prevent states from uh, discriminating against certain sets of voters. Um, maybe we could, you know, do that and, and make a more, a more, surgical targeting of, of what's going on and, and i'm looking for people's advice because if you're going to be donating it to, to a cause i want to be able to make the cause be something that you want to donate to so i'd love to hear your ideas as to what we might want to do what else is liberal day and radio up to well some some of the reason why i didn't have time to put too much into planning this show 
is that I'm planning two other shows that are coming up. I'm not ready to announce yet uh, my potential guest that I might be having sometime within the next month. Um, I'm going to be very excited. I'm going to be very excited. Uh, oh, Ripley says in the chat, I don't believe voter suppression is a thing. Change my mind. Um, Let's see. And also, I, we'll get to that in a second. Um, so I'm not ready to discuss that uh, extra special surprise guest that if, if it happens, I'm going to be thrilled. It'll be great. It's going to be an amazing show. I'm going to love that show. It might be the, I'm, I'm predicting that it might very well be the best episode of Liberal Day and Radio that has ever aired over the last 10 years. Um, that's how good this guest is going to be. Uh, but I'm not announcing who it is yet because I don't want to jinx it. Um, but on the other side, we also have somebody who is potentially going to be coming on the show, and I'm, I'm more than happy to announce um, this particular guest, and this guest will be coming on in two weeks, uh, Ken Good, a Texas bail attorney and board member of the Professional Bondsman of Texas. Um, and he's worked closely with lawmakers and other individuals on bail matters. He is going to uh, offer his perspective on impact that bail funds have on public safety. Um, and because um, one of the concerns is, are the, that he has is that there are people or organizations that will get together and post bail for individuals. Um, and what if those individuals then go and do something bad? Um, what if, there's, you know, so we're going to we're going to discuss those things as to why I guess he believes in, in the bail system, um, why, why he's against some of these, you know, the bail projects. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. And we'll see. It, it should be interesting. I, I have a feeling we're going to disagree on a bunch. Um, but again, I, I don't just have people on my show who who agree with me. I don't want to. Uh, echo chamber. I don't want. I want. To think, I want to keep things fresh and lively, and I want you to hear both sides of the of the argument if there are both sides to be had. And I want you to see how two people who might disagree on some things might be able to reach an agreement or reach some common ground in, on particular issues. So that's why I like to have people uh, who might not always agree with me, be they on the right or the left. I mean, we. I've, I've discussed issues like. Um, the aboli prison abolition movement, and I don't believe that prison should be absolutely gotten rid of. Um, although sometimes when people discuss prison abolition, it's it's more of a they, they hear the key, they hear the slogan, and the slogan isn't a perfect example of what many people say. Like when people talk about defunding the police, you know, it's not eliminating all funding from police in most cases. In most cases, it's eliminate some funding where in areas where police shouldn't be doing and putting that funding in other places either in preventive measures to try and stop crime from happening to begin with, or put in, you know, put, you know, somebody, if, if, if drugs are a cause in an area as to why a crime happens, well, maybe put someone to uh, prevention of the spread of drug addiction, in which case you might see less crime and you don't have to worry as much about arresting if you're, if you're stopping it before it happens. Because police many times are just reactionary and not, proactive when it comes and there are some examples of police being proactive and it's fine um but anyway so let's see i want, I want to see exactly the wording that's 
to that liberaldan.com, which is the website you know that I have that I want everybody to go to. Um, so we'll read from that, and I'll get to Ripley. I'll get to your question in a second. So for over 10 years, the GOP has implemented a strategy that seeks to retain power despite it, w- in, it waning in popularity. The GOP coup has implemented via gerrymandering so-called voter ID laws and stacking the courts to uphold these laws and make challenges against them more difficult. Um, I I've, have gone over, if you watch the GOP coup video series, um, one of those videos deals with the amount of judges that Donald Trump got to name and the amount of judges that uh, Barack Obama was prohibited from naming because the Republicans in Congress and the Senate specifically prevented him from doing so, thus allowing Donald Trump to be able to stack the courts in the favor of the Republicans, despite the fact that Barack Obama should have gotten to name a bunch of them. Um, so that's what I mean by stacking, uh, stacking the courts uh, in, in the favor of uh, the Republicans, especially when it comes to uh, the so-called voter ID laws containing many provisions unrelated to showing an identification to vote. Um, so, well, th- there you go. So, if you watched, you understand. You understand why. You, you saw the numbers of the the numbers of judges that Obama got to na- name in his last term versus the other people who got to name judges, and then see how Trump, Trump, Donald Trump benefited from being able to name so many more judges than he might have normally been able to name. So, anyway, Ripley doesn't believe in voter suppression. He doesn't believe it's a thing. Change my mind, he says. So, voter suppression. Let, let's, let's get started. Um, usually, I don't talk about voter ID when I talk about voter suppression. I talk about the so-called voter ID laws because many of these voter ID laws contain provisions in them that have nothing to do with the uh, requirement to show an ID to cast a ballot. Um, Louisiana has a voter ID law, and I never complain about it because it's reasonable. It, you have the ability to get an ID, and the ID is provided for you for free if you don't have one. It's so simple. So there's no poll tax. There's no de facto poll tax. There's no. It's not. It's not. It's not created. In and of itself, it doesn't prevent anybody from casting a ballot who should be able to cast a ballot. But what these Republicans will do will add things into these so-called voter ID laws that have nothing to do with the requirements to have an ID that changes other things. Like for example. Uh, if you watch this series on the GOP coup, I uh, talk about the North Carolina so-called voter ID law, which contained other provisions. And some of those other provisions, they basically, they did, the legislators, the Republican legislators in the state of North Carolina did a kind of a survey as to what type of, or study on what type of methods of voting were used by particular groups of people. And they determined that black people were, were more likely to use you know, this, you know, voting A and B, whereas white people might be more likely to use C, D, and E or whatever. So what they wound up, do, wound up doing was eliminating A and B, specifically because it's the type of voting that black people utilize more. Now, it didn't, there was no claim, there was no, there was no, uh, there was no assertion made that that by eliminating these types of voting methods, that you're somehow strengthening the, the, the ballot, you're somehow making it so that people uh, are able to cast a meaningful ballot and, and while preventing other people from not, there's nothing potentially fraudulent or unethical or risky about those methods of voting, except for the fact that they were risky to the Republican Party. So that's why the judge overturned 
that law because the judge basically said that the, the Republicans in the legislature of North Carolina targeted black voting methods with surgical precision. And, and, and that's why they did it. So that's why it was overturned. That's why the law was overturned. And it was overturned twice, I believe, for pretty much the same reasons. What other ways? But there are some voter ID laws that are made uh, that, that eliminate particular kinds of IDs that can be used uh, that, again, specifically target voters who might vote a certain way. Uh, like Native Americans might be more likely to vote for Democrats than Republicans. Um, in, I think, North Dakota, it was. It, I'm fairly certain it was North Dakota. We had a situation where uh, they uh, basically said that you can't use a voter ID, like a, like a driver's license, if that driver li- driver's license does not have a street address on it, i.e., if it had a P.O. box on it, you couldn't use it. Here's the problem. Many Native Americans in the state of North Dakota live on these reservations that don't have um, – that don't have uh, a street address because they live on these, they don't have regular streets as normal as you might normally have. Um, and because of that, they use post office boxes. But they're still legitimate voters. They're still people who have the right to cast a ballot in the elections. But because the state Republicans were like, well, we're going to want we want to prevent these people from voting. So we're going to eliminate the type of ID that they use. There's nothing was nothing wrong with their ID. Their ID was valid. It was used previously and there was nothing fraudulent about them using their PO boxes, but they just decided well, we're going to just going to make the law this way. And it's going to make it harder for these people to cast the ballot because they don't have street addresses, which also makes me question, well, then how does a homeless person vote? If they don't have a street address, they should still be able to cast the ballot because they're citizens. They're, they're a citizen and, they, and they're homeless. They, don't, they shouldn't lose their right to vote. North, North NK law only says you need res ed addresses. I don't know what that's. NK law only says you need res ed addresses to vote. There, there was a, a, I think recently, I think in 2020 sometime, maybe sometime in 2021, a settlement was, took place between North Dakota and the tribes to basically work out a way that they could get legal voter IDs to enable them to vote. Uh, but that, that the damage was already done because it was implemented prior to a, a Senate election and the Republican won the Senate election by, I think, less than the amount of people that were prevented from casting a ballot. So the damage was already done. And then once you're an incumbent, the power of the incumbency is, is very strong and it's harder to get an incumbent out. Um, it can happen, obviously, but it's much harder to get an incumbent out because they they tend to get more entrenched. But the point is is that they specifically made an unnecessary law, and the purpose of the law, North Dakota law says you can also request other ways to vote if you don't want it this way. It's not other ways. It's not ways to vote in North Dakota. It's just the fact that you have, they had a valid ID. They had a driver's license. They had a, a, a valid state-issued driver's license that's supposed to be able to be used to allow them to vote until they changed the law and said, no, you can't vote with these licenses anymore. They were prevented from casting a ballot. Oh, I'll go. 
Um, let's see. What's the, what website is that on, Ripley? Well, we'll, we'll look it up. Um, state voting laws requirements. Let's see. North Dakota. I mean, I mean this is if, – if, it's usvotefoundation.org is what I'm looking at. But all of this is like type of voting, but it doesn't necessarily say voting with an ID, what, the type of ID that can be used. That's what I'm talking about here, Ripley, the type of ID that can be used. Um, North Dakota North, – North Dakota Native – and voting ID. Let's see. Let's go to the long-standing Spirit-like tribe versus Jaeger. Um, despite a nationwide outcry during the 2018 election cycle, North Dakota's discriminated voter ID law remained on the books. While the cameras turned their attention elsewhere, the fight to protect our freedom and vote continues in the courts. Finally, in February 2020, the Secretary of State agreed to settle two federal voting rights lawsuits brought by two tribes and several individual voters. Um, so let's see. For the last four years, we have fought hard to protect the voice of Native voters in North Dakota. The ability to vote should never depend on home ownership or whether the government has assigned your home an address. Um, that's the problem I'm talking about here, Ripley. Uh, and are you looking at ways to vote, or are you looking at whether or not an ID is allowed or not? That's what I'm questioning, whether, what you're looking at, Ripley. Are you, are you talking about whether or not an ID is allowed, or are you talking about you know, different ways that people are allowed to vote. Because, I mean, we could talk about the different ways that people are allowed to vote. Um, but we can also talk about other issues that, you know, that, that come up with, with, you know, the Georgia law with the bottles of water. Like, if, if my wife and I lived in Georgia, and let's say my wife was waiting in a long line to cast a ballot, and my wife sent me a text message that said, I'm really thirsty. Can you bring me a bottle of water? Under the law in the state of Georgia, my doing so would be a violation of the law. I could be breaking the law simply by bringing my wife a bottle of water. Now, you might say, well, there are people who might use the bottles of water to campaign by putting like a campaign sticker on a bottle of water and then handing it out to people in line saying, hey, here's your bottle of water that just happens to say vote for so-and-so. Well, there's already a law in the books that protects that prevents this. If somebody is doing that in the state of Georgia, they already had met that you already were violating the law if you were handing out campaign paraphernalia, including bottles of water with stickers that say vote for so and so on them, when to people waiting in line to cast a ballot. So this specific law in Georgia was made because they wanted to make people waiting in lines more uncomfortable as they're casting a ballot. Average, if we go to, yeah, if I can type correctly, that would be nice. For some reason, I keep wanting to type the number four. Um, voter eight. Uh, Kathy spotted a long line of voters as she pulled into the Christian City Welcome Center at 3.30, ready to cast her ballot in June 9th primary election. Hundreds of people were waiting in the heat and rain outside the tree line complex uh, in, in Union City, an Atlanta suburb, with 222,400 residents, nearly 88% of them black. 
Uh, she briefly considered not casting a ballot, but decided to stay. By the time she got inside more than five hours later, the polls had officially closed and the electronic scanners were shut down. Poll workers told her she'd have to cast a provisional ballot, but they promised that her vote would be counted. I'm angry again, I'm pressured again, and added a motion, which is anxiety. Um, so why do these areas in Georgia, why, why, why do you have to wait five hours to vote in Georgia if you're in a black community? But if you're in a white community, you have to wait less. Uh, voters for per polling place. So Forsyth County in 2012 had 4,000 voters in the polling place. It went up to 8,156. Uh, Cherokee County, 33,072, 4,689. Um, but statewide, the average is, is 246 to 303. So the increase was much smaller statewide than in other counties. Um, Georgia law sets a cap of 2,000 voters for a polling place that has experienced significant voter delays, but that limit is rarely, rarely if ever enforced. Our analysis found that in mo both majority black and majority white neighborhoods, about nine of every 10 precincts are assigned to polling places with more than 2,000 people. Um, so basically, you know, you have a lot of voters in the state of Georgia that are being told that they have to sit in a long line five-hour line to vote in a primary, not even a general election. And, and if they get thirsty, there's nothing that they can do. Let's say they brought a bottle of water with them, anticipating that they might have to wait some, but the line takes longer than they thought, so they want another bottle of water. Nobody can give it to them. At Ripley, I I'm sorry, but you're the one who's wrong. You say false. Only the people running the polls are not allowed to handle water. That is absolutely not true. Let's go look up Georgia SB 202 is what I believe it's called. We're going to bring up the text of the law, and we're going to read it for you. So you're, you're now, you will be more informed after this episode of Liberal Dame Radio Talk from the Left. That's right. Okay. F. Water. No person, no person shall solicit votes in any manner, by any means or method, comma, nor shall any person distribute or display any campaign material, second clause, third clause, nor shall any person give, offer to give, or participate in the giving of any money or gifts, including but not limited to food and drink to an elector. Nobody is allowed to give water to an elector. Not a single darn person can, can, can. Give or nor, nor shall anybody other set up tables or booths to be cast within 150 feet of any outer edge of any building or within a polling place or within 25 feet of any voter standing in line to vote at any polling place. So if your line is five hours long, that expands the length of the length of an area where people cannot give water. And again, it doesn't say no election workers can give water. It says no person, nor shall any person. Give, offer to give, or participate in the giving of any money gifts, including but element to food and or drink to an elector. And that was added to the bill. That, that, was, that was part of the amendment to the bill. It's not just – I mean, I'm tough. Many conservatives have tried to make this argument to me, and they're all wrong because they're getting the information from the same places. And that place is not from the text of the legislation. Section 33 of the law as passed. Um, 
This code should not be construed to prohibit a poll officer from distributing materials as required by law, which are necessary for the purpose of instructing electors or from distributing materials from the Secretary of State, which are solely for the purpose of encouraging voter participation, or from making available self-service water from an unattended receptacle to an elector while waiting in line to vote. But here's the deal. If you're in a five-hour line waiting five hours to vote, that where's that water going to be compared to you standing in line for five hours? There's no reason. There is no good reason. I'll say there's, I can't say there's no reason. There's no good reason, no legitimate reason to prevent me from handing out a bottle of water to somebody waiting in line to vote. If, as long as I'm following all the other rules, as, as long as I'm not electioneering, I'm not campaigning to the people in line, if I'm sitting there, if I'm wearing a nondescript clothing or if I'm wearing clothing that has nothing to do with anybody that's on the ballot, and I'm just sitting there going, here's water. Here's water. Here's water. Thank you very much for voting for whoever it is you're going to vote for. Thank you for participating in, in doing your civic duty. If I give you a bottle of water, I'm now a criminal. Right? I now violated the law because I'm helping somebody get a drink of water. It's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. And the only reason, I mean, I'm saying that, I said that originally there was no reason. The only reason to put it into place is because they know who waits in line and they know who doesn't wait in line and they want to make it more uncomfortable for the people who are waiting in line. And the people who are more likely to be waiting in long-ass lines are black voters who tend to be more democratic. And they say, well, we just lost the state of Georgia. Joe Biden won Georgia. Uh, Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff won Georgia. So we need to, instead of changing our policies to become more attractive to the voters of Georgia – we're going to just make it harder for specific voters to come out and vote. And as such, make it easier for us to win. So no, Ripley, you're absolutely 100% wrong. You are not okay to hand out water. It is a violation of the law to do so, and it's a ridiculous part of the law. And I don't know what you're saying. You can keep saying false. That's not what the law says. I'm literally reading what the law says literally reading it verbatim from legislandscan.com slash Georgia slash text slash SB202 slash 2021. I'm literally reading it from the law right now. Again, I'll read it again in case you need me to read it for you again. Nor shall any person give, offer to give, or participate in the giving of any money or gift, including but not limited to food or drink to an elector. Period. That's what the law says. So I cannot come up to you if you're thirsty in a a five-hour line waiting to vote. I can't come up to you and give you a bottle of water. That's a violation of the law. And it's it's ridiculous. Again, if that bottle of water happens to have a sticker on it that says, vote for so-and-so, that's a violation of the law because you're electioneering at that point. So you can't give out that specific bottle of water. But like a law, this law, I said this before in the podcast, this law, PolitiFact doesn't say, where does PolitiFact say I'm wrong? Email me, liberaldanradio.gmail.com. Um, PolitiFact, Georgia, water. PolitiFact, the facts about Georgia's ban on food, water. Josh Holmes stated that on March 28th, a Georgia law has not criminalized a wa- uh, giving people bottles of water. It pertains to political organizations, 
PolitiFact says that is mostly false. If your time is short, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp signed sweeping elections bill into law. It included some controversial provisions about absentee and in-person voting. One provision of the new law includes a ban of giving away water or food to voters within a certain distance of voters or polling sites. The new law allows poll workers to set up self-service water stations for voters to use. Now, it allows them to do so. It doesn't require them to do so. It allows them to do so. Now, on the site, uh, Chris Wallace asked, why on earth if Americans are willing to wait on our house to vote, would you make it a crime for people to come and give them a bottle of water? Josh Holmes, former chief of staff to Merchant McConnell, uh, came on and says, I heard a couple times in this program that the idea that they've criminalized people giving bottles of water, they have not. Uh, what the statute is absolutely clear, they're preventing political organizations from giving people things. But that's not what the statute says. The statute does not say that. The statute does not limit it to political organizations. It just says people. What Georgia bill? PolitiFact. What Georgia's SB202 says about food and water? Again, it then cites the rules. Um, Holmes is correct that poll workers can set up self-water stations. However, during the show, he misled when he said the law doesn't criminalize giving away water. The law makes it a misdemeanor to give away food or water within 100 feet of the outer edge of a polling place or building or within 25 feet of any voter in line. Violations of this law are punishable by up to a year in jail and a $1,000 fine. While people other than poll workers can give away food or water, they have to adhere to those boundaries to avoid breaking the law. So, so no, Ripley, PolitiFact doesn't say that I'm wrong. PolitiFact clearly says that I'm right. I don't know how you can misread that. Our ruling, Holmes says that Georgia law has not criminalized giving people bottles of water, that it pertains to criminal organizations. SB202 makes it a crime for people and not just people from political organizations to hand out food or bottles of water within 150 feet of a polling place or within 25 feet of any voter standing in line. The only kernel of truth is that the law has a sentence which allows poll workers to make available self-service water from an unattended receptacle to an elector waiting in line to vote. But just because poll workers can make self-service water available doesn't mean that they are required to come up with a way to make water accessible to voters in every line and every polling site. Also, people could hand out water or food to voters outside of the boundaries, which has to be 150 feet away from the, away from the polling center, the building where the polling is taking place, plus a 50-foot bubble away from any voter, 25 on each side. So there's basically this long 50-foot corridor that you're not allowed in. So I have to leave my place in line if I want something to vote and hope that the person lets me back in line because I wanted something to drink. So you have to hang out 26 feet away from the voter, be like, I have water if you want it. It's ridiculous. It's just one of many laws that the Republicans have passed in order specifically to make it more uncomfortable for people to cast ballots and specific people to cast ballots because they want to make sure that they can, you know, stop certain people. And we all know who they are. They don't want black people voting. There's been many examples. You had the North Carolina law, which surgically targeted black voters and the way that black people vote and said, hey, we're going to cut these out. Why? Not because they were more ripe wife with fraud, not because that they were problematic in any way, except for the fact that it's just what black people tended to use. And that's why they cut them out. So let's, let's go back to Georgia 
SB202, because there are other things in SB202 uh, that are, are problematic as well, um, that are not just pertaining to um, water for standing in line. Uh, let's see. Boo-boo-boo-boo. Elections in Georgia are administered by counties, but that can lead to problems for voters in counties with dysfunctional election systems, counties with long-term problems of lines, which you create. Uh, the state creates the problems by shoving all of the precincts into those into those voting centers. Um, there, are, there are things in the law that allow the Georgia to um, overrule what a uh, county board of electioners and elected board of, ele- of election commissioners uh, are allowed to do. So the state government can basically say, we don't like the decision that this Democratic uh, county made when it came to their election, so we're going to step in and overrule them. We're not going to step in and overrule anything that are done in the conservative-run counties. We're not going to do that at all. Uh, let's see. Um, and, it's, and it's selected by a partisan vote of the legislature, which is already gerrymandered in such a way to that, even though the fact that the majority of the state voted for Democrats in this last election, I'm sure that there's no way for Democrats under the current, the way that the current lines are drawn to be able to retake control without a swarm of people either moving to different districts or uh, to uh, get them so many of people out to vote. And then, you know, people are going to, oh, there must be fraud because more people came out to vote. Um what you have? If you watched the GOP coup series, you saw there are many examples in Georgia before the election, like during when uh, Kemp was running for governor against Stacey Abrams, and he was the secretary of state, and he made decisions like cutting off tens of thousands of people uh, off the voting list. And look, if, if you're not supposed to be on the voting list, sure, you should be cut off, but you should be verified, verifying that those people are really not on the voting list. You had tens of thousands of people who were eligible to vote, who never left the county that they lived in, uh, who were purged from the rolls. And they keep purging people from the rolls, casting a wide net, making, which creates many false positives. When you have these so many false positives, you should be required by the law to be able to, you know, dot all your I's and cross all your T's to make sure that anybody removed from the, from the voting rolls are either dead or have moved out of the state specifically or even if it's moved to a different county, just to verify, hey, you move. But they've made it so these things can't get forwarded. They're making it harder to get an absentee ballot. There's nothing. Florida made it harder to get an absentee ballot as well. There, there's, I mean, look, if you're dead set against wanting to ever admit that there's no, there's no voter suppression going on, I mean, I don't know what there is that I'm going to do to convince you. I mean, I'll basically say this. If you're, in, if you're going to still insist, despite me reading from PolitiFact, despite me reading from, um, despite me reading from the, law, the text of the law itself, if you're still going to insist that I'm wrong about the Georgia law, then I'm not going to be able to convince you. There's no way that I can convince you of voter suppression because you're going to, if, you can, if you deny that if me and my wife lived in Georgia and she was waiting in line, and my, my wanting to bring her a bottle of water to help her, you know, hydrate while she waited on a long-ass line, if you're, if, 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 that would be against the law. And if you're telling me I'm wrong, then you're, not, then you're wrong, 
and you you're not going to be able to to be uh, you're not going to be able to be convinced otherwise because you're gonna you're you're gonna bury your face in the sand like an ostrich. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna fight whatever I say on this because you're more you're more you're more concerned with proving me wrong at that point with, with me being wrong and trying to mislead people that I'm wrong or that the people try, who are worried about these laws are wrong than you are about whatever. Then there's also the fact there's the vote, voter suppression also takes place when you, when you suppress the power of one's vote. And if you've watched my GOP or the stop the coup video series in and of itself talking about gerrymandering, are there times, are there blue states that do gerrymander? that do deny the people in their states who are Republicans uh, the power of their vote that they deserve to have in Congress? Yes, absolutely. And, I, and I'm being as nonpartisan as I can be uh, with the reporting of that video, of, those video ser- of that video series. But, there's a big but, there's still an advantage. The Republican Party still has an advantage with how the lines are drawn and how right now there's only like maybe there's only like what a three or four seat advantage, but we've only gone through the states that have seven that have seven seats. I'm still have to do eight seats and beyond, and we're going to see just how badly the Republican Party has gerrymandered the lines in such a way to make sure that the people who get to vote, like in Louisiana, again six districts in Louisiana, six congressional districts. There's one congressional district that's represented by a Democrat. There are five congressional districts that are represented by a Republican. Now, in Louisiana, Louisiana is at least 33% black, uh, has at least 33% registered Democrats. Um, So if you look at the elections of the last presidential election or the results of the last presidential election, you'll see that a third of the state supported Joe Biden. Well, if a third of the state supported Joe Biden – it's, it's probably like reasonable to say that a third of the state would have wanted to have a Democratic congressman. But now only a sixth of a state or half of those people are represented. The, the voices of Louisiana Democrats in Congress are half of what it should be because of the way that the lines are drawn in the state of Louisiana. And in reality, if you look at the governor's race, we have a Democratic governor. The last governor's race, half the state voted for Democrat, half the state voted for Republican. Almost exactly down the line, it was like 51 to 48. In that case, there potentially should be three seats representing Democrats and three seats representing Republicans. But that's not how I'm doing my analysis of the states. I'm doing my analysis of the states based off of presidential election outcomes, but still means that Louisiana should have at least two congressional seats that are represented by Democrats. But we don't. We only have one because they packed all of the Democrats, especially a lot of the black voters in the state of Louisiana, into this one meandering district that goes from New Orleans to Baton Rouge and just kind of goes up the river, just wide, twisting and turning to cover, like it takes me an hour and a half, potentially. I think it'll take me two hours for me to drive from one, one part of the district to the other um, with six districts. Meanwhile, I could get to two other districts much more quickly. That doesn't mean that, that a hard-lined, you know, well, let's just carve the six into six equal area places without those crazy lines. That doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that your state will be represented well either. Because 
I think Connecticut does that, and Connecticut is a Democratic state that does not represent its, its Republican voters as well as it should in Congress because it doesn't have a, I don't think they have a single Republican seat in Connecticut, just like I think in Nebraska, not, not Nebraska, in Oklahoma, I don't think there's a single Democratic seat, even though there should be at least one. So that's just another way that that voices are suppressed, that voters are suppressed because their their ability uh, to cast ballots. Uh, and have their say heard by Congress is reduced. It's a constitutional right to be able to address your concerns to Congress. It's a constitutional right to vote. It says, the Lord says several times in the Constitution, the right to vote. So if they're talking about the right to vote shall not be denied by, by gender, the right to vote should not be defined by or denied to anybody based off of racial uh, issues. So that means that there is a right to vote. We have the right to vote. People shouldn't be fighting on looking on figuring out ways to how to water down somebody's vote power and also making sure not trying to prevent people from casting ballots. We should want everybody who can cast a ballot to cast a ballot. And if the other side wins, fine, fairly fine. If you manage to convince more people to elect your people who will enact the laws that you want in a fair system, sure. But it's not a fair system. And the ridiculous thing is that the Republicans are the ones who are screaming election fraud because they want to they want to basically try and say that it's the Democrats that are doing the election fraud. But it's the Republicans that are doing it. The Republicans are committing election fraud. Anyway, let's go ahead and take our second uh, commercial break. We'll come back. We'll, we do have uh, our California friend, I think, on the phone. So we'll get to you as well. Um, but let's go ahead and take this. A second commercial break. We'll get to that phone call. I wasn't even looking at the blog talk radio page. I was looking at all the other pages. Uh, anyway, 914-803-4131. 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? <laughs> well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life talking about all kinds of things, political things, nerdy things, fun things, not so fun things. Go ahead, give a listen, and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts you'll ever hear and no one else will. <laughs> Catch you on the team. Do you want to set money aside for a rainy day? Do you want to open an account that will give you a savings bonus each month? What if I told you that you can get both and have a chance to win $10 million? Yada is an FDIC-insured bank, and when you go to yada.liberaldan.com, open an account, and make your first deposit, you will get 100 entries into the next weekly drawing. You will also get entries each week you have a balance. So go to yada.liberaldan.com. That's Y-O-T-T-A dot liberaldan.com. 
Using gerrymandering, voter suppression, and other nefarious tactics, the Republican Party has manipulated our electoral system to maintain as much control as possible despite being a party in the minority. Liberal Dan Radio seeks to change that, and I need your help in doing so. Liberal Dan Radio has partnered with Levelfield to help us use tools that are typically only available to big money donors. When you go to stopthecoup.liberaldan.com and make your contribution, it will encourage other voters to reach out to their legislators to pass legislation to stop gerrymandering and voter suppression and target elected officials who refuse to protect the vote. Every eligible voter should be able to cast a ballot, and that ballot should have the same power as everyone else. I can't do this alone. I need your help. So please go to stopthecoup.liberaldan.com and make your contribution today. That's stopthecoup.liberaldan.com. Stopthecoup.liberaldan.com. Political advertising paid for by Level Field. Contributions are not tax deductible as charitable contributions. And we are back with Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. You want to join the conversation? It's 914-803-4131. 914-803-4131. Um, and chat, bringing a boy, he said, in Block Talk Radio chat, he said, definition, summary of court packing plan, summary definition, the court packing plan by the nickname was given to journalists by the unsuccessful judicial procedures reform bill of 1937 that was proposed by FDR. Uh, again, that's court packing. I mentioned court stacking in the in, in my Stop the Coup uh, page at the coup at liberaldan.com um so that, i don't know i mean there is there is an issue of court packing and there's a potential whether or not you know you want you know there, there's you know there's been discussions as to whether or not joe biden should uh work with the simple majority in congress that they have to uh pack the court and be able to add more seats because the number of seats in the supreme court isn't fixed it's determined by law um and frankly surprised one of the things that I predicted I was wrong about, I was frankly surprised that Donald Trump and the Republicans, when they had control of the House and Senate and the presidency, that they just didn't go ahead and create three new seats at least and then just pack the court that way. But now I'm talking about stacking the court. I'm talking about when they blocked Barack Obama from being able to name his Supreme Court nominations and other high court appeals court, appellate court nominations, uh, and instead uh, Donald kept it for Donald Trump to be able to uh, uh, to be able to name those people, thus packing the court uh, with Republican nominees. Anyway, so we're going to go out to our friend. Sorry, I, I didn't see that you had called in because I didn't have the page up. But welcome back to the show. Thank you for calling in. Oh, thank you for taking my call. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> how, how are you? I'm doing all right, I guess. Uh, it's been a long day, a long week. <laughs> uh, wait, let me wait, let me let me play the the sound. It is what it is. Thank you, Donald. Anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, well, you know, we're we're just getting day by day. I hope the rest of your week goes better. Hopefully. Yes. So, yeah, Hopefully. Yes. So we'll so pop in positive thoughts. Board. Positive thoughts. Positive thoughts. Um, yes. So. Uh, your the couple of things that you brought up. I'm trying to think now. Um, as far as the voting laws, there's like 34 laws that Democrats are saying are voter suppression laws that were passed in um, red states, I guess. 
Did you know that New York had one of those food bans and water bans? It's actually called a meat <laughs> meat ban. What is it? Hang on here. Um, meat, food, drink, or other tobacco, refreshments, or provisions uh, to a voter at a voting place, um, a polling place. But now they're repealing that, or they, I guess they just repealed it, but that's been on the books like forever. So New York, Montana, and then recently Georgia. But, um, yeah, they had those laws, too, and they made it a crime as far as, you know, it's a misdemeanor, but it's also you can get a fine and up to a year in jail um, if you're found guilty of, you know, distributing those things. And um, and that's a totally Democrat state. <laughs> well, it is, but, but, but you can't just, you, you can't just defend, like, for, when I go vote, like I, I usually go early voting anyway, but when I've voted, my specific precinct doesn't have a lot of people voting in it, so there's never really a line. So it's not something that necessarily affects me. Um, but New York, you know, New York but, has lines all the time. I'm just because I, you know, I've never lived in New York. I've, I've visited uh, New York, so um, there, are, I guess, there are people who have waited, you know, hours line to vote now. Is is the uh, was the ban on water being handed out? Was that something that was being enforced? You know, maybe maybe it was maybe it was on the books, but there are a lot of laws on books that aren't necessarily enforced, or maybe are specifically maybe they're like, hey, you know, we're only going to enforce this on certain people in certain circumstances. Like for example, if they're handing out bottles of water, you know, saying, hey, here's a bottle of water, vote for Joe Schmo, so and so, whatever, um, as opposed to, you know, Georgia, which which seems to want to pass this pass this type of law now now look if you would have told me is, is if you would ask me before they uh, i guess overturned it is was the new york ban on water reasonable no it's not you know I, i'll fully you know you know me i'll I'll point out examples where you know states get it wrong when i talk about gerrymandering i always bring out i talk about all the people that gerrymander not just the republicans that gerrymander i talk about everybody that gerrymanders i'll say that the people in connecticut who are republicans are do not have to say that they should in Congress because they're not adequately represented by the way that the states are drawn. I fully will say so that. Would it Why? be, would it be voter suppression true. then when, um, as far as the New York, their ban, they could, there was commonly known as um, line warming ban. Um, and and so it was known, and, and New York, their statement here um, by one of their legislators was saying, New York is notorious for having incredibly long lines in select parts of the state that people wait in to vote. Um, Myrie wrote in, this, in his legislative justification, indeed, last year, long lines occurred during both early voting and election day voting. And this statute places an additional burden on voters and organizations by essentially prohibiting um, organizations from working to support voters while they may wait in line. And the statue, they, they signed it recently as far as they lifted it, that ban. So they're they're clear now. But um, it was on the books for a long time. Let's see. I'm just trying to read. First, money entertainment to induce attendance at polls. Any person who directly or indirectly or by himself or through any other person in connection with or in respect of annual election during the hours of voting on a day of general, special, or primary election gives or provides or causes to be given or provided or shall pay wholly or in part for any meat, drink, tobacco, refreshment, or provision to, to and for any person other than persons who are official representatives of the board of elections of political parties, 
uh, and committees of persons who are engaged watchers, party representatives, or people working assisting the candidate, except any such meat, drinks, tobacco, or refreshment provision having retail value of less than $1, which is given or provided to any person in a polling place without any identity, is guilty of a Class A misdemeanor. So even the, even the New York law says that you can give out, if your bottle of water is less, is less than a dollar, you can give out a bottle of water to somebody. <laughs> now, if it's less than a dollar, if if I go buy a 24 pack of water for five bucks, how much is the unit price per bottle of water? I don't know, but you know, I just really think that that's <laughs> I mean, uh, this, really a weak argument to say that's a voter suppression no, law that was passed. Right. And but, I say but, that but, because people are smart enough to know that if they're going to wait in a long line, that they'll either bring something to drink with them have it in the car or something to that effect if they know that that's what they're going to people are not stupid you make it sound like people are stupid and they're going to wait in these long lines and and just so, so they can vote they'll just pass out because they can't nobody can bring them any water and it's like well you usually prepare for those things if you're an adult you know ahead regardless of, time. of that but regardless of that you know but look I, i'm fine with saying look just you know i don't think you should be able to supply money to people at the polls i don't think you should be able to uh you know, I don't, I, I, I don't think you should be able to give, you know, non-food or water gifts to people at the polls. I, think, I don't think you should be able to electioneer at the polls. It's fine. You know, prohibitions mm-hmm. and those sort of things are fine and, not, and, and are not voter suppression. Um, but but, to, but to, to try and say that I mean, the laws are similar, they're similarly worded, um, but because there was the prohibition, because there was that added little tidbit in the New York law that does allow for having – things of retail value less than $1, um, it's not the same thing. You can give out bottles of water to people waiting in line in New York versus you can't give out bottles of water to people waiting in line in Georgia. Now, again, is the law needed? With, if, are all the prohibitions, if, if, if I you know, want to give larger bottles of water because the lines are really long you know, and I'm prohibited from doing so, is that reasonable? I don't think so. I think that, you know, and you might say, well, people who are reasonable and smart might think ahead of time and bring with them bottles of water. Um, but let's say I was a super smart person and I just had a backpack full of water. So I was like, I don't know how long this line is going to last. Um, I don't know. So I'm just going to bring a backpack full of water. I have to sit there in line with my nice backpack full of water. And if somebody says to me, hey, man, can I have a bottle, bottle of water? And if I'm in Georgia, I have to say, Nah, man, sorry, I can't give you this water because guess what? It's against the law for me to do so. So, is there is there is there a, is there any reason for the law to exist for that provision of the law to exist? What what logical there was... was there were there any cited examples of people electioneering via giving out bottles of water to people in line in Georgia that was not already covered by existing electioneering laws? One. Was there one? Yes. There was a taco truck that had pulled up and was giving free food away for the Democratic Party at one of the polls. So they took that and they ran with it to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make a law that we can't have any food or drink as they've overreacted. But nevertheless, I mean, people are going to vote for who they're going to vote for. In my opinion, you know, they're not going to get influenced by a taco or a bottle of water. I mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I mean, I'm personally, I'm not going to be influenced by, 
by anybody electioneering at the polls either. When I go to vote, I usually my mind's made up. I'm not nobody sitting there waiting online is gonna is gonna make me be like, you know, I was gonna vote for this person, <laughs> but but now you've brought up this, you know, last minute thing to me. Oh, I'm gonna change my mind, you know. No, exactly. it's, it's not it's, it's not gonna happen. But I agree. If, if there if there are like I, I'm seeing examples of where people in Georgia in taco trucks or, or other food trucks, we're bringing foods uh, to people at the polls. Like there was a chef, chefs for the polls, but I don't necessarily see anything where it's like Democratic Party, you know, sponsors and, you know, aver- encourages people to vote or electioneers with the tacos. Like did the tacos have vote Democrats on them? Were there, were there vote Democrat signs on the, on the food that were being given out to the people in line? There, I guess there were advocates or whatever, but again, it wasn't like it was throughout the state. Um, I think, well, throughout the state you know, Georgia, as far as I don't think it's a voter suppression law. I don't there think it's a suppression law, Georgia. but I think that they don't, they didn't need it. I don't think they needed the law, and as far as passed in Georgia or anywhere else, for that matter. I mean, there were only three. There were only three states that did it, but now New York has rescinded theirs. But again, you know, I agree the law, but I don't think it suppresses anybody from voting, but I also don't think that it's needed. I mean, we're adults. We're voting in line. You know, somebody, my kid wants to bring me a you know, bottle of water, then he should be able to bring me a bottle of water, you know. <laughs> we agree on that point. That's good. Um, but, but a lot of the times when we talk about these laws in, in general, um, it, it's not just specifically about each singular provision of the law in and of themselves. You know, a lot of times you have situations like you know, the ability of, you know, the state to be able to come in and overrule a decision made by a county election board. You know, the state legislature, which is controlled by the Republicans, can say, hey, we're going to we're going to we're going to put in a special commissioner or we're going to overturn what you decided because we don't like it. You know, now. There's no specific examples of, 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 of how this would be implemented. You know, so, so I, all I could do right now is to guess how they might do it, and then I might give some suggestions as to what they might do in order to overturn uh, the decisions that were made by local county election boards and who, which county election boards are more likely to be uh, overturned by the state and which, which county election boards are less likely to be overturned by decisions made by the state legislature uh, in their decisions yeah. on how to implement this part of the law. And it, it, would, it would, frankly, all be conjecture at this point. But mm-hmm. you've, you've opened the door to allowing the state Republicans to be like, well, we don't like what happened in, in that district, so we're just going to overturn it. We're just going to buy votes. Well, nope, sorry. And then it's, but then so it's too late. You're speculating. But, 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 it's, but then what, when something happens, it's too late. Like, they, they've enabled themselves to do, to, to be able to do shenanigans, whatever those shenanigans might be. And if those shenanigans turn out to be ridiculous, when they do them, it's too late. They've basically taken a leash off of themselves. It's like taking the leash off of a pit bull and walking the pit bull down the street. Oh, well, the pit bull hasn't attacked anybody yet. You're only thinking that they might attack the person. So and then when the so pitfall attacks so the person, put, it's too late. So you want to put the elections in the, in the hands of the federal government? Well, well, that that's a completely separate issue. Um, this, the, I, I don't want state boards to have the power 
to just unilaterally or state or state the legislatures to unilaterally have the power to just overturn one or the other, you know, on a whim. Like there, there, well, there should be wealth. That on a whim. There should be, there should be, there's, but there's not wealth spelled out, spelled out there. Like we can act in this thing, and this is the, this is what we can do in this particular circumstance. It should be well stated. It should be well, it should be well, it, well spelled out. How, what, when exactly the state will have the authority to overturn a decision made by a local election board, and why? Um, I'll see if I can find that. And okay, uh, that'd be great. Oh, oh wow. I'll do that. And if I can't okay, find no. anything, I, I can't find anything. And, and right. you know, what you're saying is, as far as the whim, we'll be right. And if I find something, then we'll go over it, if that's okay. And, and, and again, if, if I'm wrong, I'm more than happy to say that I'm wrong. If I'm more than happy that it is spelled out specifically and clearly as to what they can do and what they can't do, fine. I'll admit that I'm wrong. But as far as my understanding of it, but look, people, you know, Ripley was saying I was wrong about the water, and I'm right about the water. Now, when it comes to the federal rules i don't think the federal i don't think the federal government should be completely in control either of elections however the federal government does have the constitutional authority to pass laws that will protect people from being disenfranchised to protect people from being denied equal protection under the law under the 14th amendment so but the john um, lewis bill actually in there, it states as far as they will take care of, as far as establishing state laws, and then states wouldn't be sovereign anymore if the federal government took over the elections, the federal elections. And you have like an when you read the bill, of what, what that might be, like, like the, in, in, when um, when the uh, what is it when the states actually it gives the power to not be able to redress as far as if there is. Um, any type of election um, fraud going on in any of the states, it won't be heard. It's just, that's it. It's final. And you can't do that when you have different states because corruption happens on both sides of the aisle. And if there's well, an would... issue, it should be able to be investigated and brought up. But the federal government says no. Plus, it will also um, give money to the candidates um, to on both sides of the aisle. It will distribute campaign funds and <laughs> they're not good with money as it is the federal government both sides spend money on special interests and stuff like that not that that money will go there but i'm just saying as far as them being able to um be in charge of campaign money and give it to the, which comes out of our tax dollars so we have to pay basically to support these candidates in that manner versus you know candidates going out and raising money and so that's in there, but I didn't agree with that. Um, gosh, there's another another issue, but I can't remember right now. I don't want to take up all your time. Um, I did want to mention, though, quickly, um, the voter registration as far as the two years, if you don't vote in two years, you'll be dropped from the voter registration list. Um, mm-hmm. And then if you want to vote again, then you can re-register. Um, California has had that on their books forever. That's what happens here. You have to clear the voter rolls, clean them, and, and it's not just because of people that maybe have moved, but people die, you know, and so they clean those rolls. Um, and so basically two elections, if you don't vote in two election cycles, you get dropped, and then you have to re-register. And so I don't, I don't, have, I don't consider that voter suppression. I mean, a lot of states have that rule. Well, there, there are some states that have implemented things like if you, if you didn't one, – one of the ones, I forget which – I honestly forget which state it was, but there is a state that basically said 
if you if you don't vote in a singular election that will drop you from that we can drop you from the rolls, which I think is absurd. And I said I said earlier in the show, if you're dead, sure you should be purged from the voting list. If if you've moved, sure you should be purged from the voting. List. There are legitimate reasons to purge people from voting lists. There are also things that like if you want to go way back to 2000. Uh, one of the first examples of voter purges that was, you know, nationally publicized, there were there was uh, Catherine Harris, who was the secretary of state of Florida at the time, cast a wide net when it came to who was removed from the list and who wasn't removed from the list. And that wide net eliminated many people who were false positives. And if you looked at all the false positives after the fact, and if those people tried to vote and weren't able to vote because there were no provisional ballots at the time, that it might very well have made up the difference in, in the results of the election. Um, so, so, and but when a false positive is, is, when a false positive takes place, you know, to me, you should be required to notify the person of the, of the positive so that person can say, hey, this is a false positive. I still live here. Let me know that you fired to let you know that, the, that you were purged. And one of the results of what happened in 2000 which is a federal requirement on uh, federal requirements on you know allowing for provisional ballots. So if you go to vote and you're, and people say you're not allowed to vote, but you insist that you are allowed to vote, you get to cast a provisional ballot, and that, and then mm-hmm. those provisional ballots are checked. And so that's mm-hmm. one way that the federal government used their Fourteenth Amendment powers to to uh, curb the ability of states to deny people the right to cast a ballot. Uh, if you're being if 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 you're casting a provision, but you had in this example that I read earlier was that somebody was given a provisional ballot not because she was purged from the rolls, but because the line to vote was so long that by the time she actually made it through the line and into the cast her ballot, they turned off the voting machines, and the only way she had to vote was to cast a provisional ballot. At which point, you know, again, whether or not they counted it, how do you know? So. Uh, to me, you shouldn't be turning off the voting machines until everybody has cast their ba- cast their ballot. Um, yeah, if so she was I, in line. I don't know why they shut the voting machines off. That doesn't make right. sense because you wait till the per- to the last person in line. I work the polls. Right. But um, the state that but there shouldn't um, be such lines to begin with anyway. If, if you if you have so many people in a particular area, and I know our friend from up north has said before that you know has said well then oh well. You know, he, he thinks that it should be by that's your choice to, to live in a, a well-packed area. But if, if you have um, if you have such long lines, you know, maybe what you, one of the things that should be done is you should expand the number of precincts that you have, expand the number of voted polling places that you have. So there are not such long lines. You well, should you should eliminate well, long lines or make other ways of voting available so that people don't have did. to wait in line. For example, like in Louisiana, we have early voting for two weeks, and that's one of the things that uh, the, the federal legislation wants to do is enable early voting for two full weeks consecutive, including Sundays. Um, mm-hmm. they, they, want, they, want, they want it to be enabled so that every state should, should, be able to, should be required to implement that so that people have more time to cast their ballot, and, and that would alleviate some of the problems with people waiting online. And you know, one of the other ways that people could easily cast a ballot without having to wait online is using a mail-in ballot. There are some states that are 100% mail-in ballot, and that's fine. But, you know, the problem is, is that you have several states who are like, well, mail-in ballots, they're sure problematic because we, we lost. 
even though some of the, the Florida, Florida, which seems to be really clamping down on mail-in ballots, Trump won Florida. So I don't know what exactly their problem is with it, with it because it didn't, it didn't help Biden win Florida. Um, but, you know, you can, there are a bunch of people who cast legitimate ballots, including people who serve overseas in the military and, you know, they should have their votes counted and there's nothing wrong with them casting a ballot. Uh, that That's a mail-in vote and there should be nothing wrong with anybody else. If they just, I, I've heard Republicans and conservatives talk about, you know, that you should only be able to vote on election day. Um, it's, but that just is going to create more problems, not less. It's like, you know, we want to take it to the absurd. Well, let's, let's limit voting to only between 11 a.m. and 12 p.m. on election day. And that's it. And if you're not in law, if you're not voting, if you haven't voted between that time, then you don't get to vote. Like it's an absurd argument, but again, it's why, why not give people more opportunities to vote? Why not expand the ability of people to be able to have the time to cast the ballot? Why, why, why do they, why are they fighting so hard to, to prevent well, okay. ways of voting? The, the place, the states that are states that had closed some of the polls uh, for people in their districts or areas had, they extended their early voting or they, yeah, they gave an extra day uh, for voting. So to eliminate long lines, let me see what state. Um, so there were, when they did one thing, they took away one thing. They, as you said, compensated in other ways. Um, but nobody talks about those things, the compensations, in order to to um, make it better. I mean, as far as the voting goes, um, there may not have been enough people to have that poll open anymore. I don't know what the re- reasons were that they had changed the laws, but I know that they did. There were enacted um, extra early days to vote, so that you, there were times to do it and also help to eliminate the long lines. Well, here's, here's one of my examples of my what ifs, of my speculations of Georgia. Um, you know, one of the things that the, the new SB202 did in Georgia uh, was to basically say when it came to early voting that, um, polling co- that, that polling places were required to be open from 9 to 5, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. It also said that a district could, it could also be you know extend their hours in each district in each county could say okay well we, we're going to decide to be open from seven to seven instead of just from nine to five we're going to choose to be open from seven to seven so so what happens you know let's let's say several counties say okay we think seven to seven is a good idea and we have some conservative counties that do it we have some liberal counties that do it so what is to prevent the georgia republicans in the legislature from saying we don't agree with Fulton County being open from seven to seven. We only want them to be open from nine to five. So we're going to overturn their decision. What's to stop that? I know we were going to talk about that next week as far as what, what right. safeguards but, were put in there. So right. I can't so, so answer that, that right that, now. <laughs> right. But that, 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 that's one of the examples of the, I, I was, I was having problems thinking of an example of, of something that we could both look into. So next week we could have that discussion. That's one example of something that I would bring up is that I'm, I'm, I'm basically, so I'm not just saying look blindly for these things. Here's one example of, of one of my concerns when it comes to the voter ID law or the so-called voter ID laws that are being passed, um, which some, again, many provisions have nothing to do with the requirements to show an ID to vote. Um, hey, I'm all for 
you know, I, I'm all for it. You want, let, let's pass a, a nationwide law. Say everybody gets a free voter ID. It's a picture ID, has your name on it. It's linked to a database. You, you show it when you want to vote or you scan it when you want to submit your electronic vote or whatever, or your, whatever, however method you're going to cast the ballot is, use, use this ID. It allows you to vote. Boom, you're done. And then you don't have to worry about it. Then it's taken off the table. I'm all for that. But again, one of my reasons that, but they don't bring up these voter ID, so-called voter ID laws just to implement voter IDs. They make this voter ID law seem like it's a much more problematic thing than it really is because of the of voter fraud that takes place, very few of it would be fixed with the requirement to show an ID, but they've managed to convince people that the lack of a voter ID requirement in certain states is such a problem that it needs to be dealt with. Meanwhile, they shove all this other crap in these laws that say, okay, well, sorry, you know, that, that, that they just shove it under the rug there and say, oh, you know, don't pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, so to speak. So... <laughs> so, so that, that that that's just, and again, and 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 you know, I'm very happy that nobody in the chat um, has said, well, what's wrong with acquiring a voter ID? Because almost every time I have a conversation, somebody tends to type out uh, somewhere wherever I make the argument about the so-called voter ID laws. They're, what's wrong with acquiring? If, 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 and if they don't listen to me, they, because if they would have listened to me, they said I have no problem with requiring a voter ID. I have a problem with the other provisions in these laws. Because uh, these other provisions in these law are specifically done with the with the intent of keeping black people from. And there's many examples where where Republicans have been on record saying we we do better when black people don't vote as much. You know, we want less people voting. Low voter turnout is good for the Republicans. High voter turnout is bad for Republicans. So, you know, <laughs> where does it? Where who said that? I give me an example. Who said that? Directly. Okay, well I'll give those to you next week. Although I have discussed that on the show previously, I'll give those to you next week as well. So that's fine. Okay. Yeah. Um, um as far as because uh, there were areas as far as in Georgia where um they would say that there's supposed there's voter suppression in certain districts and stuff like that, but not Every district or not all districts or not even um, – what, what district in any state is completely all black or all white? There's a mixed basket of all. So any of these laws that are being passed affects both uh, – affects everybody and not just a certain group of people. I mean, A large portion of, of the black vote in Georgia tends to be centered around but Atlanta. But it still would affect it still affects other people as well too, whether it's a large part of a group or not, there are other people affected as well. So it wouldn't it well, doesn't make any sense to say that they're they're trying to suppress a certain specific group because then they're also suppressing everybody else as well who also lives in that area. Well to get to get into the you know, but yeah, but if if you have like eighty five percent of a district or 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 county as black voters um, or 85% of the district as Democratic voters, let's say, um, even if it's not racially based, if it's like 85% of a district is Democratic versus Republican, like in, in Fulton and some of these other areas in Atlanta, Cobb County or whatever, um, you know, it, it, it may affect some of your voters, but it's disproportionately going to affect the other people's voters. So that's the thing. They don't care if some of their voters uh, are, are, are have to struggle to, to cast the ballot if if it's more of the other guys' voters that are having to struggle to cast the ballot. 
So I think in one of the stop the coup or one of the GOP coup videos that I did, it talked about how that how many people from each party or were affected by the purge, let's say, or were affected by the changes in the rules when it came to um, what type of voter registration, like the exact match policy that Kemp wanted to implement um, initially when he was uh, taking in new voter registrations. And he denied, he had like, I think, was it 70,000, if I'm remembering correctly, voter registrations just sitting on his desk because it didn't exactly match 100% uh, for some reason or another. Um, they were just sitting on the desk and, 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 not, and nothing was done with them. You know, does that mean that are there going to be some people who were denied the ability to vote uh, because who, who would have voted for Kemp? Maybe. But if, but if, if what he's doing disproportionately affects the vote, people that would vote for Stacey Abrams, then it has a net benefit to him. So, do you know if those voters were notified or not, or do you just know that they were just sitting on his desk? Uh, I do not. I do not believe that they were notified. Um, I could be wrong, but I do not believe that they were notified that that there was not a match. So usually they have to notify the people in that in those cases because then they require them to come back, come in and sign a new card or something. Um, well, I know. I know when they when they cast the ballot. Like if they cast the ballot and they have to what they call cure the ballots, they will notify the people who mail in their absentee ballots, for example, if they have to be cured in order to basically, oh, this signature doesn't match the one you have on file, come in and, you know, verify that you did indeed cast this ballot and whatever to make sure that's, that, that's required by law. But um, notify registration. Do, 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 do. I'm not seeing it off the top of my head with uh, with with the registration. It's, it's bringing up a lot of purge information, but not registration information. So I'll have to I'll have to do it. I have to do, if I remember to. I'll have to do a deeper dive on that one as well. Um, okay. Let me see. Let me let me. Where's that? Where's that link? I want to bring that up since I have you on the on the on the on the horn. Um, where's the bookmarks? <sighs> Being a pain in my neck. Bookmarks. For some reason, I think it's in my mobile bookmarks. There we go. Do, do, do. Waiting for this page to load. It was on my desktop. Uh... this no it wasn't that uh, uh, trying to see trying to see I forget what I named it as uh, document there it is okay so going back to I don't know if I took a screenshot of the two weeks ago but 1225 remember December 25th as of December 29th all deaths involving COVID were 1646 I believe as of the last show, it was like up to 4,000, right? Am I right? That it was up to 4,000 deaths that were involving COVID? Oh, when, when we, I think so. You remember yeah. that? All right. So mm-hmm. now as of 1-12-2022, so as of today, um, the all deaths involving COVID-19, are, it's now up to 6,811 for 
deaths that on the week of December 25th. So I think I did say that we would we should expect to see about 1,500 to 2,000 more cases being added if the trends were to continue uh, as they had in previous weeks. And it does in fact appear that you know that has happened that we went from 4,000 something to 6,811. Um, so in since December 29th, uh, which is what, three weeks ago now or two? Wait two a weeks minute. ago. Uh, let's see here. I'm showing December, I mean, January 8th. Right, January 8th. 2,688. Uh-huh. Right, 2668. January 1st is 5,360, and, and December 25th is 6,811. So, okay. So it's so, still going so, down. So, no, but but it's but those December twenty fifth numbers are still going up, so we're they're still those numbers are still coming in, so where well, you know we but we, the but the eighteenth was eight eight thousand, and the week before that was eight thousand, and the week before that was eight thousand, well, and the week before well, the that 18th, was seven. Well, the eighteenth the eighteenth is eight thousand, but two weeks ago the eighteenth was forty nine hundred. See, what I'm saying so the amount of well, in two weeks allowing that two, time frame, yes. But I mean, for that week total of the 18th, but the, but the, but the totals haven't finished eight. coming in yet. For the 18th, that's, that's yeah, they haven't. No, the, the totals for the 18th as of today are 8,273. But the totals for the 18th back on December 29th was 4,915 because I took the screenshot. So between. Well, yeah, but that's when we were looking at it. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that is that is that the numbers aren't necessarily going down. It looks like the numbers have went up now. So if you look at if you look at November twenty, look at November thirteenth, six thousand nine hundred eighteen. November twentieth, seven thousand. November twenty seventh, seven thousand four hundred sixty seven. December fourth, eight thousand one hundred thirty nine. December eleventh, eight thousand six hundred. And as we've seen in the past two weeks. Let's see, December 4th, two weeks ago, was at 7399. This, so it, it increased by 800 in the last two weeks for December 4th. Uh, December 11th in the last uh, two weeks went from 6,776 to 8,600, so almost 2,000. So like 1,824 maybe? Yeah, 1,824 Ball- or not ballots, 1,824 new deaths were added to the week ending December 11 totals in the past two weeks than, than, than what was had. So you had 1,800 added to the 11th. You had in two weeks, you had in two weeks for December 4th, you had uh, 800. So 1,000 more people came in in the past week for for the 11th than did for the 4th. So the, so the numbers coming in for the 4th are trickling down and they're getting less and less, but you still had more numbers coming in for the 11th. So, and they're still coming in. So, and for the 18th, you had 4,915 versus 8,200. So that's almost 4,000 deaths that came in in the last two weeks between December 18th and now. And so again, you, so you still might see more deaths coming in next week for December 18th and so, then for December 20th. So what I'm saying is that you were saying, you were looking at the numbers on the on the 29th and saying, look, our deaths are decreasing. I'm now looking at the numbers as of right now and saying, no, they're not. They have not been decreasing. And I'll bet I'll bet that 
since we had in the last two weeks between uh, for the 25th, you had, well, you had 5,000, what, 5,200 or so come in in the last two weeks, but you also had like, it was 4,000 and maybe 2,000, maybe 3,500 and 2,000 come in between last week and this week. So I'm thinking you might get another, an additional 1,200, 1,000 to 1,200 more people next week. So I wouldn't be surprised if next week, if you look at these same numbers, if we're going to see another, if we're going to see December 25th get up to 8,000 as well. Um, and again, for the 20, between uh, uh, the... go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, and when you continue to look at the charts, deaths involving pneumonia, pneumonia only for the week of December 11th, 7,906. The week of December 18th, 7,464. Um, Christmas week was 5,993. And so we have these numbers with people dying of just pneumonia only. Okay. Without COVID. Right. So as far, as far as those numbers go, they're pretty close to the ones involving COVID, pneumonia, not involving anything else but pneumonia. And those numbers are also increasing. Like, for example, the December 25th numbers for pneumonia was 1,441 versus now 5,993 for the same date because more information has come in. Um, mm-hmm. so, but I'm just saying, I, as far as there's still a lot of deaths happening, occurring from other things other than COVID, and it's spreadable, you know, like the flu. But is, pneumonia, is, is, you can... pneumonia is, is, is if I, now you can correct me if I'm wrong, but as far as pneumonia is more something that you get because of something else, right? Like, like you might get pneumonia if you get a cold or something. You might get pneumonia if you get a flu. You might get pneumonia if you if something else happens to your lungs that might not even be. Um, we can look at causes of pneumonia just to be sure. Uh, so why don't we, you know, I mean, as far as mandate vaccines for cold and flu so that people won't die from pneumonia? Well, I, I, I think that I think if, if we lived in a country that didn't have to, that that was more altruistic. I would say, and I, I guess we don't live in a country that I don't believe we live in a country that's altruistic because of the fact that we have only 4% of the world's population, but 15% of the world's death deaths when it comes to COVID-19. Um, I think there's something very wrong here where people just don't want, there are certain, there's a certain subsection of people that don't want to do what's needed to do. There are countries like, I think Japan is one of the countries where when it becomes like flu season, people will wear masks just because they don't want to get anybody else sick if they happen to be sick. And it's just culturally what they do. I'd have no problem if we decided as a country without even the requirement of a law, if we said, hey, it's cold and flu season, remember to go wear your mask when you go out in public to make it less likely for the flu to spread. That'd be wonderful for people to do. I'd love to see people do it. But, you know, they won't because of the insane paranoia that people have over these you know, at people of government simply asking them to wear a mask. You know, they get insulted if you just ask them to wear a mask. It's, it'd be great if we didn't have to have government tell us to do the right thing, if we all just did the right thing to prevent, to keep ourselves from spreading sickness to other people. But, they, but we don't want to be bothered. Don't you think it's odd as far as the, all the deaths from involving COVID and then all the deaths involving pneumonia and 
as far as the influenza deaths only, those influenza deaths are really low, those numbers. But usually, in order to get pneumonia, you will get the flu or a cold to catch pneumonia. And the pneumonia numbers are keeping up with the COVID deaths, with all deaths involving COVID. They're real close. They're like right behind each other, which I find very interesting, um, that they're not marked COVID, they're marked pneumonia, but yet they're really close to the numbers involving COVID. I well, mean, I mean, if you look at the column right next to it, within, I mean, there are deaths from COVID, there are deaths from pneumonia, and so then you have the other column, deaths involving COVID and pneumonia. So, like, of the, mm-hmm. the 50, currently, for, we were looking at the week, December 25th, you had 6,800 of COVID deaths, 5,900, almost 6,000 pneumonia deaths, and 3,900 of those deaths were both. So, 39, you know, 39, the intersection of those two columns was 39 hundred and sixteen. Um, yeah, there were less deaths um, involving influenza, but maybe some of those, maybe maybe you had, um, let's see, deaths involving pneumonia, influenza, or COVID. Um, let's see. So if you look at this. It's like the numbers don't seem to add up. Let's see, five, seven. Oh, let's see, five, nine. I'm not sure what that. I'm not, I'd have to look at that last column to figure out what they're what they're trying to say with the last column. But yeah, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, I'm not saying anything possible, as far as what well, we're calculating. I'm just just looking at it at face value. It's, it's possible that they might have had the flu and the flu went away, but the pneumonia stayed. So it's possible that when they died, it was they, it was they were just diagnosed with pneumonia, even though they might have had the flu earlier. That might be why you have to see some discrepancy of the numbers. Um, it's still necessarily because you can get, but you can get pneumonia from bacteria. You can get pneumonia from fungus. Uh, you can get pneumonia from many other different ways. Um, okay, but there's still a lot of people dying from pneumonia only when you think right, about but it's not necessarily, it. But it's not necessarily something that's as preventable as COVID, even though there are the COVID pneumonia deaths are, are preventable um, if you would prevent the COVID from coming, from taking place. So if you look at pneumonia deaths, uh, let's see, if we go back to 20, let's go back to 29. I think you can scroll all the way back to, no, you can only go back to 2020. Um, but like. Now you can January get pneumonia 4th. from COVID because it's a, because COVID is a respiratory virus. Right. You can, you're right. And, but, it, but just because you have pneumonia, you can get it from, from non-viral means. You can get it from a bacterial infection. You can get it from a fungal infection. So you could have, you could have mold in your house from Hurricane Ida, for example, and breathe in the mold from your house and then get pneumonia. And it has nothing to do with I COVID. I totally understand you. Right. I totally right. get so, that. But the thing is, is the, number, the numbers are astounding that that many people would have fungus or mold and bacteria all at the same time to to create, you know, within a, a small margin, about, what, 10% margin uh, between the COVID death and pneumonia? I mean, that's where my issue is. I mean, sure, there's different things that may, you know, that can subject you to getting pneumonia and also how vulnerable you are um, medically. Um, but the numbers are just so close and to say that that many people had those issues to uh, involve death with pneumonia that would that is so close to the same amount of COVID. It's just, and I'm not saying anything other than just what I'm saying is that it's just the numbers are just really 
weird that they're so close together. You know, it's not to dispute the numbers. I'm just saying it's just odd how many people died of pneumonia. Almost about the same amount. Sure, and and, and I think we'd have to, you know, I think I'd like to look at maybe even further years in the past. I think we go all the way back to 2020 because, like, January 4th, 2020, there was only one, there's zero deaths with COVID. They said January 11th, 2020, there was one death with COVID. And back then, you had uh, 4,000 deaths involving pneumonia. Uh, back then for just the week of yeah. January 4th. So the, the first week of uh, the first they week treat of pneumonia with antibiotics, right. you know, so, you know, but nobody was making such a big whoopee do about it then, you know, if there were large numbers, then I don't know. I'll take your word for it, which is fine. Um, well, you, you know, nobody down. was saying, how come, you know, 8,000 people are dying a day or a week or whatever. Um, you know, it's, pro- it's, it's probably because I mean, if I had to say anything, it's probably because pneumonia can be caused by so many different things that, you know, OK, you have you have so many pneumonia deaths from this, you have so many pneumonia deaths from that. Or, and then it's an average, I guess. And, you know, if, if, people, if you're if you have a kind of a baseline of we expect to have this many people getting pneumonia every week then, and dying from pneumonia every week, then, then it, it doesn't become as shocking as, oh, well, you know, it's, it's back in April of 2020 and we've had 10,000 covid deaths when it was just 3,000 the week before, that, that becomes more shocking. Um, and of course, that also but caused, still... but that also caused, like, so you did see, for example, like if, you, if you're on that same chart, you go back to April 18th, 2020, you know, the COVID deaths in a week was 17,203. Um, but, and the deaths from pneumonia went up to 11,415 versus like a couple months before when it was only at about 4,000. So yeah, the increase of COVID did spur the increase of pneumonia deaths. But that's not showing deaths. That, I'm not talking about the number of deaths with COVID and pneumonia. I'm just talking about pneumonia. Right. We but don't I mean, have but, a but, number but, but on the there for COVID of, and pneumonia. But the number of pneumonia deaths went up because the number of pneumonia deaths involving COVID went up. So, for example, the week of April 18th, 2020, you had 17,000 COVID deaths you had 11,000 pneumonia deaths. Of those 11,000 pneumonia deaths, 7,000 of them, 7,300 were, were COVID and pneumonia. So the pneumonia deaths without COVID was 4,000, was about 4,100, which is about the same as what you were seeing earlier in the year. January 4th, 4,000 pneumonia deaths, 4,100, 4,150, 11th, 4,000 on the 18th. 3,900, 3,800, 3,800, 3,800, 3,800, 3,800. So you saw for, for a good, for the first three months of 2020, the deaths involving pneumonia were, were kind of a standard for about, right at about 4,000. And then once COVID hit, you got a spike in numbers. You get, you, you know, the seven, tri- almost triple the amount of deaths of pneumonia. That's because two thirds of those pneumonia deaths were pneumonia with COVID. So COVID is what, what was driving much of the increase of pneumonia deaths um, in those weeks. So, that, so it's not necessarily that strange to see those numbers happen because you're seeing higher numbers because you're seeing higher numbers of COVID. But the numbers involving COVID, the numbers in those columns, if you go to the bottom of that um, chart, it adds them up separately. So just go, keep scrolling like I'm looking at, um, there's the total columns. You know, there are the total Weekly, columns. Monthly, monthly. Okay. 
but they're but they're Hello. but I'm lo- I'm I'm looking at each week. I'm I'm just so I scroll down to like you know April 18th is the one I happen to pick out because it was a high it was a high COVID death week. So you look at the high COVID deaths, you see in the first column 17,000 deaths involving COVID, and regardless of what else was was what happened, and then you know that same week you also had 11,000 deaths involving pneumonia, regardless of the cause of the pneumonia. Um, but in that same week, you had 7,300 deaths involving COVID and pneumonia, meaning there was about 4,100 pneumonia deaths that were not COVID-related. And so almost, but almost double the amount of deaths that were COVID-related of pneumonia. So that's why you're seeing more pneumonia deaths than you normally would is because you're seeing more COVID deaths because, because COVID is, causes pneumonia and can cause you to die from pneumonia. So you're subtracting the amount of COVID plus pneumonia from the COVID deaths? No, I'm subtracting. I'm just trying to figure out how you got those numbers. That's all. (laughs) I'm not. I'm subtracting the number of COVID and pneumonia from the total pneumonia deaths. So to find the total number of pneumonia deaths that were not COVID related, take the total number of deaths of pneumonia column, take the total deaths of pneumonia and then subtract the total deaths of COVID and pneumonia. So you find the number of rate of pneumonia deaths that have nothing to do with COVID. So it's more than, so you find more than double the deaths or about, maybe a little less than double, about, but about double the deaths uh, that were of the deaths involving pneumonia to about two thirds of them were relating to COVID and one third of them were relating, were, were your standard 4,000 a week or so regular pneumonia deaths. So if you look at, okay. if you look, if you well, look at like, the columns are, the columns state exactly what, how many people died from what and, and not, a, not, it's not broken down into if at the end of the chart. If you go across, it's not broken at the end to say, okay, so this is what the number is um, an actual, you know, that brought the, as far as the numbers between the pneumonia and COVID separate. Well, they have COVID and pneumonia. All deaths involving uh, one, this, all deaths involving column. this, all deaths involving this. You have right, the date ahead. column, you have, you have the date column, you have the deaths involving COVID column, then deaths from all causes, then the percent of deaths expected, then you have deaths involving pneumonia just as a whole, then the next column is deaths involving COVID and pneumonia. So to find out how many deaths involved pneumonia that, were, that didn't include COVID, you would just subtract the one, two, three, four, the sixth column from the fifth column to figure out how many of those deaths were pneumonia but not COVID-related. And that's what I'm saying, where at the beginning of the year, before COVID so, really took a cold, you had around 4,000 deaths pretty standard. It looks like it's pretty standard, 4,000 deaths around every month, every week, I mean. Every week you're seeing about 4,000 deaths from pneumonia before COVID hits. Then COVID starts to hit, and you start seeing more, like the first time you got triple-digit COVID deaths, you had 588 COVID deaths, you had 257 of those were COVID deaths with pneumonia. So you went up from, from, four, you went from, from your average of 4,000 to now 4,500. The very next week, you had 3,200 COVID deaths. Of those, about 1,500 were COVID and pneumonia. So instead of having... Uh, so the overall pneumonia deaths were 6,100, but subtract the COVID and pneumonias, and you'll get around 4,500. Again, if you have the next week, you have even more COVID deaths, and you have more deaths with COVID and pneumonia. Subtract the 9,900 overall pneumonia deaths 
uh, and then subtract from that the COVID and pneumonia, you have 4,200. So again, you're, you're still at the, the non-COVID pneumonia deaths are pretty standard. So what's causing more people to die of pneumonia during the COVID-19 pandemic is COVID-19. So COVID-19 is a driving factor, which is causing us to see more pneumonia deaths than we normally would. Hmm. And I'm wondering how that will keep up with Omicron. I'm wondering how that will keep up. And, and, and I'm glad you showed me the chart because we'll be able to go through the weeks and see, you know, okay, these are the amount of deaths that we're seeing. But like, you know, again, and we're, I, I don't think it's too soon. I think it's too soon to be looking, to be saying that we have final numbers on the December 25th one, clearly. Uh, I think we're going to get up to maybe 8,000 again. I think, I think by the time, I think two weeks from now, I, I, I bet you two weeks from now, that, that number of all deaths involving COVID is going to hit 8,000 at least um, to match up with the rest of ones, which will just show that we weren't decreasing in deaths. It was just, it was just staggered numbers coming in. But again, as, okay. as of right now, as of right now, uh, deaths involving pneumonia at this point is 6,000 deaths involving COVID and pneumonia is 4,000. So as, as of right now, we we're at 2,000 deaths that are pneumonia non-COVID related. So I'm sure we'll, I'm betting we're also going to see those numbers increase as well to put us to a point where we'll have, if we have 8,200 or 8,400 or whatever it gets to above 8,000, we're probably going to see more, a little bit more deaths involving COVID and pneumonia to get us to the point where we still have the, the non-COVID pneumonia deaths hovering around that average of 4,000 that we see every week. Okay. Now, since May of 2020, that was like the final month where we had two-digit two digit numbers, COVID deaths only. From there... Well, May 2020. Okay, let me scroll down. Okay. Well, May 2020, um, we had we had 13,000 deaths of COVID. Uh, May talking, 9th, the week of May 9th. May 9th, we had 11,000. Um, we were in, in five digits, you mean. Above 10,000. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. okay. Five digits. Yeah. Uh, May 9th. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, now the numbers fluctuated. It went down to nine and then seven and then six. And we know that later on it went spiked back up to eight and then seven, six throughout. And then as we continue to move through the year of 2020, um, in what is it, um, October 31st, 2020. And then mm-hmm. we spiked again in uh, right. December. Right. And those were like major numbers that we had right. there for, for December 2021. But then those numbers after February 2021, they came down again as far as the numbers are holding steady until August 2021. And they spiked back up. But it seems like we are having, you know, like six-month periods where they're dropping down under four digits um, versus the five, which is good. Um, and sure, so, but 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 we but two weeks ago when you were bringing me the data, you were like, "Oh, look, we're only at 1,600 deaths this week for COVID," and I was like, "Yeah, but we're, we're I'm going to bet that we're going to get more numbers. I'm I'm going to bet that more numbers are going to come in um, at that point, and we're going to see." higher it's going to be higher in the next few weeks so and that and that did happen because over the last two weeks we've gotten the 4200 ish more yes and I from agree. The week. 
So, right. and I said, you know, as far as that significance, I was out of law, as far as misspoke when I said significant, but as far as since what, uh, October 31st, the numbers still seem to be holding steady as far as below that four, four digit number in, in the downward spiral. And we both had agreed that it, let's hope that it continues that way. We're still waiting for more numbers. And then of course, Omicron, those numbers haven't come in yet too. Right. So. Um, and what, so and what we'll will be interesting to see, be interesting to see is that, and, and, and you know, is that if, if you know maybe Omicron doesn't kill you in and of itself, but I'm wondering how many people are going to get pneumonia from Omicron. Wonder how that's right. going to work. How wonder how that's exactly. going to change the figures much. Um, oh, they'll probably spike. I'm betting they'll probably spike because they probably. can get pneumonia from the cold. Yeah. Right. So you can get the money for the cold. But I mean, again, COVID is not the cold, but it has gives you cold like symptoms um, in, in many times. Um, but we don't know what long term exposure to Omicron is going to be. We don't know what you know, we don't know what that's going to be like. And we don't know. Again, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I, well, for some uh, reason, Omicron, from what I understand, it exhibits uh, cold like symptoms, you know, respiratory right. sneezing, coughing. Um, that type head, of thing. So that breath. would, because it's a, <laughs> it's a ear, nose, mouth type situation that usually goes into the lungs, um, you know, because right. you have a throat, and so right. that's why which, I said they'll probably spike. You're probably gonna see more pneumonia, mm-hmm. which is gonna suck, and but mm-hmm. and, that, and that's one of the reasons why we need to do the right thing and 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 be socially distanced more often and mask more often and do all the things that people should be doing to protect their neighbors. Um, but unfortunately, we're going to have a large segment of society that is that is going to just say no to that every single time because their so-called freedoms trump or they, their their desire to not be inconvenienced trumps the rights of everybody else. So their autonomy. Their, yeah, their autonomy. But, but but you shouldn't have the autonomy to put make other people sick. That that your you, the the my ability to swing my fist stops well before it hits your face. So I do not have the right to threaten to hit you. I do not have the right to put you at risk. I do not have the right to drive dangerously, even if I want to drive dangerously. I don't have the right to, to, to act irresponsible. I shouldn't have the right to act irresponsibly uh, in the middle of COVID. And I shouldn't feel that I'm entitled to do so. I, I would hope that everybody, you know, would say, look, I have the autonomy to, to act the way, act at certain ways. And the way that I'm going to act is that I'm going to make sure that I'm going to protect my fellow human beings and do things what the experts say. Unfortunately, we have people in Congress who just want to fire the experts and not want to do anything. But I, I am going to go ahead and I'm going to make this only a two-hour show. But, you know, definitely we'll call back then next week. We'll, we'll maybe look up some of those examples that we were talking about um, and, you know, definitely discuss those more voter suppression stuff as well, uh, as well as taking other people's calls. Again, this is the end of this week's episode of Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Tune in every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Central, blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan, or here on YouTube, youtube.com slash liberaldanradio. Follow me at Liberal Dan Radio on Facebook, Liberal Dan on, or Liberal Dan, Liberal Dan on Facebook, at Liberal Dan Radio on Twitter, and on TikTok. Um, and please support the Patreon and Stop the Coup as well. Stop the Coup at liberaldan.com, as well as patreon.com slash liberaldan. Until next week, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right.